The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. When I think about Ezekiel in the Old Testament, you know, Bert, there are a lot of prophets that have, you know, uplifting verses and things like that. But for some reason, I think of the letter E, Ezekiel, and I think about executing judgment <laughs> upon them in the wilderness and those uh, that disobey the word of the Lord. But Ezekiel is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. And Bert, we're going to talk about Ezekiel today. Now, folks, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. And today is exciting because. We're on the eve of Sherathon, and these are exciting days when we see the Lord very much at work in the ministry of the American Family Association. But I'm excited, too, because I'm in the studio with you today, Bert. Amen. Face-to-face. Yeah, we don't have to worry about dropouts, no. bandwidth. We don't have to worry about anything. The, the <laughs> There's grid. no delay. There is no delay. You know, people come, they say, y'all are not in the same studio. I said, most of the time, not. I said, you guys sound like you do. That's when Devin has a great connection and everything's going right. No, no delays. So we praise the Lord for that. But it is good to have you here. And we are excited about Sherathon. It starts, matter of fact, uh, we get to kick it off in the morning, Amen. 6 o'clock. So those that are listening today, get up early. Turn your radio on at 6 o'clock. That's Central Time. It'd be 7 o'clock. It wouldn't hurt for those folks in Eastern Time. That's right. That's uh, right. So and anyway, we're going to start share tomorrow. You know, the Bible says, early I will seek thee. Yeah. And so tomorrow morning, we're going to be on, Bert and I, but we're in the studio with Devin Patrick, our faithful engineer, and um, on his phone, he just showed me a message, zero-second delay. <laughs> and uh, folks, you got to understand, these guys have been so good to me for a decade now. We've been doing Exploring the Word, and what I do, traveling speaking. I take this gear around, and Devin, I guess only the Lord knows about the grid and all of the things, but I, I hook up, and the signal goes across America, and depending, I suppose, depending on network traffic and just where I might be or might not be, and the IP, I don't know all the technical stuff, and I wouldn't dream of trying to explain it, but it is good to be in person. Here's Devin Patrick Here's uh, Bert Harper, and folks, you're listening, and we give God the glory. But um, you know what? The Word of God is undiminished. The power of God's Word is unobstructed, because Isaiah 55 says God's Word does not return void. Amen. You know, when we're connecting with God, it's never short-ended on God's end. It's always on ours. Ours is the delay. Now, God may say, you know, a lot of prayer... Delay is not necessarily no. Sometimes God says, not now, Bert, not now. And I've been so glad many times when he delayed that answer, you know, because usually he's trying to teach me something during that period of time. We call it the waiting room, Alex. Uh, In the waiting room, there's times uh, that God uses to mold us and to make us. And speaking of Ezekiel, you're just talking about what you thought of. I have to admit, I don't think of the, I think of the dry bones. Uh, yeah, one of the greatest, famous. yes, one of the greatest, uh, I, I believe, word pictures that anybody could have. Do these bones live again? Well, we, we want to look at that. Let's, we're looking at, at the people that we call the prophets, 
and the kings and kingdoms. You know what other P we could put in there for a lot? Yeah. Priest. Well, uh, because guess what? True. Jeremiah was a priest and a prophet. Guess what, Ezekiel? Ezekiel is a priest and a prophet. Exactly. And so God called him out, and and I love his calling. In the first three chapters, he is called. But I, I can't help but notice in chapter 3, th there's a specific about him. It says he calls him son of man. And mm -hmm. again, when we look at all of that, especially in verse 15, it says, Then I came and, and to, the, to Tel Aviv, who dwelt by the river Shabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. I remember that line, I sat where they sat. Now, among Alex, the I, I believe uh, preachers, pastors, make better pastors and preachers when they've sat where some people have sat. Exactly. When they've been in the emergency room, when they have been that period of waiting of difficulty. Yeah. Uh, it it kind of gets your heart. One of the great men that was a preacher when I was young was a man named Jack Hiles. You ever oh, heard of, of Jack Hiles? I've got a, a couple of his books, actually. Yes. Matter of fact, he's the one, basically, their church started what we know as the bus ministry now yeah. out of Hammond, the Indian, out, right outside of uh, Chicago. Yeah. And uh, he started that, but he, I heard him say, he said back then they sat, you know, they had, I called them the pulpit chairs. Yeah. So today, most of us sit on the front row and then going up there. But in those days, they would sit there on the pulpit while the song leader was leading the music. And he said, to get my heart right, I would look out there in the audience and I'd see this family who just lost a loved one. I'd see this family whose husband just lost a job. I'd see this family whose son is rebellion. And he said it would get my heart ready to preach God's word because I sat where they sat. Yeah. And so Ezekiel's one of those. He was a fellow captive. He wasn't one that was just preaching. He was a fellow captive. And he really so that's was. and this is during the Babylonian captivity that he preaches. Exactly. And you know what we were talking about how Isaiah was very specific in in oh. the year that King Uzziah died. Very specific in Isaiah 6 verse 6. Uh, Ezekiel's the same way. It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chibar, if I'm pronouncing I hope, that. I don't have no idea. I have no idea. if I, <laughs> I might be butchering that word, and I apologize. C-H-E-B-A-R, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. Bern, aren't you struck by the specificity? Okay, 30th year, fourth month, fifth day. I mean, this is very, very specific, isn't it? It is. Now, two reasons it's important. One, I, I think it dates it and lets you know the authenticity of it, mm -hmm. but it also says it in a certain way. This date made an impression on my life. Yes. I mean, like when we say 9-11, do we have to ask where in the world uh, – where in the world it's from? No, we know 9-11. It's right. talking about 9-11, September the 11th, 2001. 2001, yeah. Uh, December the 7th. I think we know it pretty well. Yeah. World War II, exactly. Pearl Harbor. So these dates not only give the authenticity that it is real, but it also marks a day. These are days that are marked. Uh, and and so it, it made an impact upon his life that when he was writing it, he put it down. 
Well, you know, when the heavens open and you see visions of God, it is unforgettable. <laughs> I'd imagine so. Uh, and you know what? We've shared many times, and uh, listeners, maybe you've got a, a memory of when God became real to you. I've shared the story of when I was in a college classroom. I, and Bert, whenever I'm driving through Greensboro, and I remember, because I'd been getting under conviction, I'd been going to this Bible study at Macedonia, and I was in a college classroom, and I have to confess, uh, I wasn't even listening to the professor. And it came over me, Jesus died for the world, and it, it, I realized Jesus died for me. Now, it would be a day or two before I would get down on my knees next to my bed, and I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save my soul. But Bert, I was in this college classroom, and it was all I could do to not weep because it suddenly flooded over me the realization that, yes, Jesus, the Son of God, laid down his life for the world John 3.16, God so loved the world. But that, I realized that Jesus went to that cross for Alex McFarlane, for me. And I was in a college classroom, and I realized that Jesus loved me. And friend, the reason I always kind of, sometimes I tell the story is because we want you know, to know that Jesus died for you. And Jesus loves you, no matter what you've done. No one's exempt. No, no. He died for everybody. He really did. whatever you've done, he will forgive if you ask him. And Ezekiel says, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. Bert, I know you could probably recount times that the heavens opened and you had experiences with the Lord. And we've told many of these stories of our own journey. Maybe right now you're thinking of a time when you met with God. Maybe it was at an altar in a church after a sermon, or maybe it was driving in your car somehow. But isn't it good that in life we can see God and we can experience the Lord just like Ezekiel did? And and this is not the exception. Look, at, I mean, Moses remembered the burning bush. You know, he remembered that calling specifically. Paul knew the day. Uh, on that road to Damascus that God would speak to him. God knew that John in Revelation, that day he was caught up, you know, and saw things that, man, is amazing, the book of Revelation. These are markers, okay? And the biggest marker is the marker of salvation. If that has not occurred in your life, you're missing out. All the other markers don't count to anything unless you know Jesus Christ as Savior. But as Lord and Savior, saved when I was 12 years old on that Tuesday night in revival in August, never forget it. But there's been some markers along the way, Mm. Uh, a surrendered life, a calling, an answering said, God, I'll go anywhere, do anything that you want me to do. Those are markers in our life, and God uses them. Ezekiel has those. And he was probably around 15 years or something years old, uh, close to Daniel's age, mm-hmm. uh, when he was taken from, you know, he wasn't taken with Daniel and the three Hebrew children. He was probably taken in the second captivity. Now it's just one in Babylonian, but they went in different stages, just like they came out of Babylon to Israel at different stages. They went into Babylon at different times. And Ezekiel was probably in the second wave that went down yeah. a great number. And he and Daniel were compadres, probably in the same age. Now, again, and Jeremiah was one that would come. And so these guys, they're, they're talking about the, the captivity, but they're also talking about the judgment. And you, you referred to that. Mm-hmm. Now, the first judgment he gets to 
is Judah itself talking about why they were judged. And one of them that he uses is the boiling pot. I mean, in chapter 24 of Ezekiel, do you know of anybody that gives as vivid and more word pictures than Ezekiel for as a a preacher and a prophet? Well, you know, maybe it's just me. I've always associated Ezekiel almost with the New Testament writer Luke. Luke is Mr. Detail, isn't he? Yeah. Like you say. And, you know, Ezekiel talks about he's in the land of the Chaldeans. He's by this river. He's at the time of Jehoiakim. There's a whirlwind. There's a burning pot. And um, I don't know. The, the language is so, so vivid because God is vivid. God is real. And, and friend, we... What we try to do on Exploring the Word is to help the Word of God become real to you because we want God to be real to you. The judgment that he declares upon Judah and them going into captivity and the reason why, and and I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I'm giving a little bit of overview. Then he jumps to the countries around him. Yes. They're probably cheering. Okay, I'm going to use a bad example probably. Alabama's football team got beat. Saturday night. I don't yeah. know if anybody's ever heard of that or it, not. It, maybe, maybe so down down here, Mississippi, Alabama. <laughs> it was kind of earth shaking down in this way. Yeah, but you know, it was that kind uh, earth shaking thing. And here is Ezekiel uh, being shaken the earth that it is different and everything. And those of us that are you know we're not anti-Alabama, but we get to beat up by them all the time. We're always saying, "Hey, Alabama got beat." Now we're I'm hurting a lot of folks here saying that. By the way, Bert Harper is speaking only for Bert Harper <laughs> right. today. But okay, real quickly. But as Israel was Judah was going into captivity, all the enemies. Yes, it's about time. It's about time. But guess what? Ezekiel said, your time is coming. Exactly. God's judgment sure. Hey, we're going to be right back right after this break, Alex. Stay tuned. We're back after this. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury of the United States of America. Her department oversees all financial and monetary matters relating to the federal government. 1 Corinthians 4.2 reminds us of the importance of being a good steward of money. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Secretary Yellen as she oversees financial matters for our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Some people live for today, others plan for tomorrow. But Dr. Tony Evans says we need to set our sights even further out than that. He'll explain with the help of a story from Major League Baseball as we spend two minutes with Tony. Reggie Jackson was asked, he was nicknamed Mr. October because he, you know, he always was, was a superstar in the, in the postseason play. And they came to him and said, Reggie, Mr. October, why are you so good in October in the postseason? He says, because I begin the preseason with the postseason in mind. He says, every time I get up to bat, I'm thinking about October. My mind is on October. 
And that if I hit this ball now, I'm one step closer to October because I know in October is the World Series. So I'm not just thinking about the bat I'm holding now. I'm thinking about October. So since my mind never leaves October, I do well in the season. But if your mind leaves heaven and you only live for earth, earth is all you'll get. But if you are heavenly minded, Colossians chapter 3, seeking the things that are above. If you have a heavenly perspective driving you, you'll be ready for heaven and you'll be okay till you get there. That needs to be a shift in your perspective. It's like the boy playing baseball. He threw the ball up, swung and missed. He threw it up again and said, you're a real good batter. Swung and missed. He threw it up again and said, you're the greatest batter that ever lived. Swung and missed. He threw it up again and says, there could never be a batter that could compare with you. He swung and missed. He threw it up one more time, missed again and said, boy, you're some kind of pitcher. There's got to be a shift in our perspective that you wake up in the morning thinking eternally. That is, thinking God's perspective. For more on how a new perspective can change the way you live your life, check with us for details on Dr. Evans' series, Heroes of the Faith, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. All the world starts changing when the church does Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert with you. And again, we're talking about Ezekiel the prophet. We're going over this series of prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And uh, the prophet we're looking at again is Ezekiel. And I want to share another passage. Again, we're just giving an overview of the man. But as we give an overview of the man, we look at some of the things he wrote. And I love Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 29 and 30. Alex, just listen. The people of land have used oppression, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they have wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Mm. That's some of the saddest words in the Bible. I found no one. Guess what? The only man that can stand in the gap between us and God and bring us to God is the man Christ Jesus. That's true. And so when I look at that, looking for a man, uh, there may not have been a man available there to do what, but there's a man that's available to save our soul, Alex. Amen. And I, we're, we're making much of this today about salvation. I got a feeling there's some people out there, maybe a truck driver, maybe a secretary. It may be someone driving the car home from, from work, and, and they've been wondering, how can I know God? They can come to faith in Christ Jesus by knowing they're lost. There's, there's no hope that they can make a way for them. But Jesus stood in the gap on the cross, and he who knew no sin became sin. He died as the sacrifice that was needed. He was buried. But guess what happened on the third day? He rose from he the dead. He arose. Praise the Lord. Victor over sin and death, our two great enemies. Well, you know what? I don't want to get us off topic off of Ezekiel, but, you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, 17, 18, and 19, it says, 
that the Father, by the same power with which Jesus was resurrected, he gives that power to the church. Amen. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome when you think about it. The resurrection power. You know, you were talking about um, that God could uh, breathe on those dry bones and raise them up even after the Babylonian captivity. There was a song, I haven't thought of it in years, and I reference a lot of songs, but the Tallies, Kirk Talley, had a song called I Know a Man Who Can. Do you remember that? I have. And and it it says, uh, you know, we can't do all these things, but I know a man who can. And friend, that man is Jesus. You know, just before we went on the air, um, I was reading a thing about passwords and, you know, getting into your computer or activating software. And 50 years ago, there was a gathering in Europe, and uh, they were talking about the future of computers. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Heaven forbid, boy, computers have taken over our our life. But apparently in Stockholm, Sweden, 50 years ago plus, they were talking about how we're going to help people learn how to work a computer. And they said, well, passwords, you know, there's got to be a password. To, you got to remember it. And I want to tell you something. <laughs> there's a password to get you into heaven, and it's J-E-S-U-S. Amen. Isn't that something? Yeah, I love that. The you one know, and only password. The only one. Evangelism explosion. Yes. If you were to die and stand before God, why, when God asks you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? You know, I've been good enough. Nah, nobody's been good enough. I gave a lot of money to the church. You can't give more. You can't even even begin. Mm. Oh, oh, I kept, kept the Ten Commandments. Well, first of all, you didn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And then if you had, you'd still need a Savior. The only password, J-E-S-U-S. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come unto the Father except through him. No one. Isn't that something? Well, you know, King Henry VIII, you've heard about Henry VIII. They said that he left money in his will to have 10,000 masses said on his behalf. And when I read that about Henry that my heart sank. I, I hope he knew Jesus because let me say this. You could pay to have 10,000 sermons preached in your honor. That wouldn't mean a thing. As we say down south, that wouldn't make a hill of beans. Right. But friend, all you need to do is put your trust in Jesus and every sin you've committed can be washed away right now. And it changes your life, Alex. Oh, it does. I, I, not only do we get heaven in the future, we get a friend that sticks closer than a brother right now. We have someone that doesn't send us away. He goes with us. And and it's, listen, I got more than I ever dreamed. Amen. When I, Amen. I saved when I was 12 years old. And I admit, I, I didn't want to go to hell. And I knew Jesus was the only way. And I knew that. And I trusted him. But I got more than I ever dreamed. Praise I got that Lord. brother. I got a calling. I got purpose. And you can get that purpose today. You need a purpose for living. Listen, as a human being, yes, as a created being of God, you have purpose. But if you want the real purpose, not only be created by God, but be redeemed by him. Yes. And he redeems the times. He redeems our lives. And so, Alex, I just feel like there's some people out there that really are desperate for God. Amen. Uh, you know, we talk to people all the time. They'll call us or not call us, but write us. They're incarcerated, and there may be somebody there that's just listening right now. And listen, you can be set free in Jesus Christ, even even behind bars. You know, I was the same way, Bert. When I was a 21-year-old college student, I will tell you, I was predominantly thinking about going 
to heaven, not hell. I was fearful of judgment, and, you know, we should be because sin is very serious. But I want to tell you, 35 years of being a Christian, sure, heaven and knowing that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that means everything. But I will tell you to walk each day with the Lord Jesus, the friend that sticketh closer than a brother, the one who will never leave you or forsake you, the one who knows what you need even before you ask, Matthew 6, verse 8. And I I got a lot I want to say about Ezekiel and the Babylonian captivity, (laughs) but I've got to say this right now. Dear friend, brothers and sisters, whoever you are, if you have one shred of question, you say, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I were to die that I would go to heaven, then I want to do this right now on this Monday. I want to urge you to call on Jesus because the Lord Jesus loves you Jesus knows you, and you've got things that you're not proud of and things that you wish could get resolved. The Lord knows about it. And Jesus says, right now, I stand at the door and knock. This is Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever opens, I will come in. And Bert, right now, people can call on Jesus and know that they are born again and saved. And I just, before we go any farther, I want to ask people to do that. So right now, friend, I just want to ask you these questions. Do you admit that you're a sinner? You know you're a sinner. Do you know Jesus is the Son of God? And when he was nailed to Calvary's cross, he did that for you. Now, there's a key word called repentance. And repentance means to turn the car around and go in the opposite direction. Are you willing to repent and turn from sin to Christ? Then I'm going to pray a prayer. And if If this expresses where your heart is right now, God has promised to hear this prayer. Pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sins. And I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and he died for me. Lord, I accept what you did on the cross as the payment for my sin. So pray this and mean it. Say, Lord, come into my life. Please wash my sins away. Save me and help me to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Now, also, if you just prayed that, pray this. Say, Lord, thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for filling me with your spirit and writing my name in your book. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, we've got a, a partner in ministry, and look, no strings attached. We're not asking you for anything other than we want you to have a walk with Christ. Is it 1-800-NEED-HIM? That's exactly right, 1-800-NEED-HIM. And uh, they will help you, they will talk with you, they'll pray with you. And if you have questions, if you prayed and you ask Christ in your life, still call them and say, I've just prayed uh, with, with uh, Bert and Alex from AFR and they'll help you, and they'll chat with you and talk with you and help you. This reminded me, and it's not off on track, in chapter 37, now mm-hmm. Ezekiel was talking about the nation of Israel, but a lot of people's lives are filled with nothing but dry bones. Yeah. You know, they've been, they dry bones, what do you know? The vultures have been there and picked off, I, you, I know that's Picked the picture. carcass clean. But listen, 37 verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, 
There were very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. That, I, I think that describes people's lives. I know it's describing Israel, okay? But the word picture can describe a life that's just dry, meaningless. And then this is what he said to me. Son of man, can these bones live? Mm. Isn't that a question? I, I think there's some people when you were praying, they said, can God save somebody like me? Can God really change the direction of my life when it's been off target? The answer is yes. Listen to what he said. It says, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'll put muscle and sinew in him. God can do that spiritually in a person that is so far away. When I think of some of the people that I've known personally who have been saved, we're talking about ex-cons, we're talking about adulterers, we're talking about homosexuals that were coming out of that lifestyle and wanted to be made right. Alex, I've seen God take them out of that valley of dry bones and you know what it says in Psalms? It's called a pit. He yes. took us out of the pit. And the and miry clay. Miry clay and set our feet on a rock. But not only did that, he put a new song in their heart. Amen. He, man, he changed their direction. He changed their location. He changed everything about them. He can do that for people. He did. I, now, as a 12-year-old boy, had I, well, I'd sinned enough that I knew I was a sinner. Yeah. Was, it, was it 20 or 21? 21 years 20 old. 20-year-old boy. God, man, God knew that. If he can save us, he can save those people who are listening today. You know, God is so merciful. God is so merciful. I want to read a little bit from Ezekiel 36, and then I want to tell you something. Um, God says in verse 23, The nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. See, God did this work in Israel to, among other things, to save them, but to show the unbelieving nations that he is the sovereign Lord. You let God work in your life, it will be a witness to others. But listen to this, for I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you now, this is Ezekiel 36, 26. This is what we call the new covenant. God says, I'm going to make you alive. Being born again is really foreshadowed in this. I'll give it you is. a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then I will give... Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. Now, this is Ezekiel 36, but this new birth, let me tell you, my friends, God is still in the business of doing this. Bert, when I was in high school, I am sorry to tell you, Buffalo Presbyterian Church had an essay contest about what does it mean to be a Christian in today's world, and there was a If I recall, it was a $200 gift that went with it. And I wrote, and I found it years later, and it was the biggest bunch of malarkey because I didn't know the Lord yet. And I wrote this fluff piece about being a Christian and going to Sunday school. And do you know what? I am sorry to tell you, but God is so merciful. I was 18. I graduated high school, and I just wrote some flowery thing 
and I got that $200. And years later, I went back and I apologized. I got to preach at Buffalo Press, and I pulled out this essay, and I said, I need to give you this money back because I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian. And yet God was merciful, and it would be at age 21 I did meet Jesus. But isn't that something, even going through religion falsely, under false pretense, and God is merciful. God was merciful to me. And when the preacher asked me, Romans 3.23, do you admit that you're a sinner? I knew I was a sinner because my heart wasn't right. Now, I had been to church plenty, but it was a game, and I knew it was a game. But at 21, I confessed my sins. I said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And he sure did. And he's still in the mercy business, isn't he? <laughs> what you read, notice the term. You know, I'm looking for those repeated words. Amen. Guess what it is? I will, I will, I, I will, will, save I will. You. Yes. God will. I'm, yes. God is willing. God is right now desiring. That's why you're feeling that conviction. The Holy Spirit of God is coming in, and he is convicting you of sin and judgment. And he says he'll point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask Christ into your life. He changes things. He did for you. He did for me. He'll do that for those who are listening. In the book of Ezekiel, I want to just tell you, it's filled with the gospel story. Amen. You catch what I'm saying? Amen. It, you said it reminds you of Luke with all the details. It also, the book of Luke was a book of hope. You remember it how really many was. times? And so the book of Ezekiel, it's got judgment in it. Yes, and you declared that. But in the midst of that judgment is deliverance. Praise the Lord. And that deliverance only comes through relationship with Jesus Christ. So, Alex, we're here today. We're saying to those who are listening, come to Christ. Come unto him. He'll change your life. He'll give you a new hope. What did you say? A new heart, and he'll put his spirit in you. Isn't Sounds that like, something? That's something. He wants to do that today. The, the Holy Spirit wants to live within you. And as we always say, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Hey, let's take phone calls. When we come What's back. What's that number? 888-589-8840. After this brief break, Exploring the Word will continue. So stay with us. We're back after this. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. Thank you for standing with AFA, and we thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Gary Roby, host of Call to Worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a Call to Worship right here on American Family Radio. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. At the height of a Holy Spirit outpouring in Samaria, where the gospel was being preached with great power and droves of people were converting to follow Christ, the Lord instructed Philip to leave Samaria and head south to Gaza. Philip didn't know a divine appointment awaited him. 
through his ministry to the Ethiopian eunuch, the gospel would spread to Africa. He left the crowd to serve one. I call this step-down faith. It's easy to step up for the attention and applause of the masses, but do we have step-down faith? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Psalm 103, verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. If you travel north to the North Pole and just keep going, you end up heading south. If you head south and reach the South Pole and continue on, then you start going north. North and south touch each other at the poles. But you can travel east for the rest of your life and never head west. Same thing with west. You can travel west forever because east and west never touch. God takes our sins as far away from us as the two directions that never touch, east from west. God's forgiveness is perfect and absolute. He gets rid of your sin for good. And where there is no sin, there's no guilt. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert. You know, if it sounds like we're excited, we are. We're we're having church in here talking about Jesus and Ezekiel, that uh, heart of stone that God washes away and puts a living heart within us. And we hope you know that life in Jesus as well. Well, we're going to go to the calls. And by the way, the number is 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear your Bible question. We're going to go down to Texas I, I do love Texas, and Bert, I have to confess, when I go preach in Texas, I generally always have some really good barbecue, and yeah. so. Well, that's kind of like <laughs> me when I go to southern Louisiana. I have some stuff. I don't know everything I'm eating, but it sure is good. <laughs> well, Melinda, Melinda in Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Thank y'all. And I just want to say how much I love AFR. I love y'all. I love listening to y'all. I definitely appreciate the radio station as a whole. Bless you. Good to hear from you. You too. And um, I was calling today. I'm hoping to get a little bit of advice from y'all. I have two um, young children, three and four, and um, I have a sister. We're six years apart. We're very close. And she also has six children, and they range from 10 years old to 16 years old. And um, lately, it just seems like the attitudes with the, the teenagers, I guess, have just been growing. And me and my sister just have different ideas on how to raise our kids. And, and um, you know, they have phones all the time and, you know, their social media and stuff like that. And so I guess I'm just looking, you know, I don't like to really go over there anymore just because they're so, they've become really rude to me. And um, and I don't want my small children to pick up on habits 
that they that that I don't like them to have. And so I, I love them very much, and I've talked to my sister about it, but, you know, I, ju- I just don't know where to go from there. Oh, wow, Melinda. Alex, uh, Melinda, when I hear that, uh, you've got the responsibility of your children. That's yeah. priority. And what you do in order, and, and I want to use the word protect them, uh, not to isolate them, you know, uh, there are those that feel like isolation is the complete answer. I, I don't believe isolation, yeah. but insulating them is. And, and setting boundaries. Yeah, setting boundaries. And sometimes you may limit the time you're over there. You may not go as much. Uh, now, there's not a lot you can do for your sister and the way she's raised it except pray for her. And then when she does, you she, if she asks, you can tell her what mm-hmm. the issues are. But she has responsibility to those children she's raising as first priority. You know, Bert, earlier this morning, I actually got a call. I was in Atlanta changing airplanes to come on over, and I got a call from a a devout Christian friend who is a child psychologist uh, back on the East Coast. And we were talking about the importance of setting boundaries as it relates to electronics and whether it be a phone and a mobile device or whether it be um, you know the computer and I would encourage you even tell your children that you know what um, not every family does it but we understand that uh, our attention you know we show respect if we listen to somebody and when we're talking or just um, being a good steward of our mind we have to set boundaries regarding electronics and the internet. And I, I want to say this to everybody, regardless of whether you have little children, okay, we live in a media-saturated world. It's just you can't get away from it. It's like the internet is everywhere, media is everywhere. And we all personally, especially with our children, we have to discipline ourselves so that we have an attention span. And I'll say this, and Melinda, um, it, this is worth talking about with our children. Uh, I was talking this morning with this child psychologist who's a devout Christian, who uh, employers, one of the things when we go for a job interview, they look at our ability to maintain our attention span. And so it's important from childhood up that we train our kids to discipline themselves. So we're not always just, it's one thing to be disrespectful to a family member at a meal and we're fiddling with our telephone, but it's another thing out there in the workplace and getting an education so I, I guess a word to the moms and dads out there, uh, we need to be cordial and respectful to each other, but the, these are life skills we're going to have to c- cultivate. And Am they'll I come, right? They'll come back to help us or yeah, to haunt us. Exactly. And, and Melinda, let me just share with you, pray for your sister. Again, y'all have different views. It's tough when it's family. It's easier when it's friends, I think. Uh, but you can lead also by example. And, mm-hmm. and I, Alex is encouraged. Yeah, I do as well. And uh, keep that discipline up. Uh, you know, to learn how to unplug. Yeah, Josh McDowell said this. Let's remind him. You know, rules with that relationship leads to rebellion. Right. So while you have those uh, devices unplugged, uh, be sure and work on the relationship that you have with your children as well. And another subject for another day is also reading because they show that we have better comprehension when we read off a page. And I know we read so much on a screen, but... I well, still like hard copy. I like... I guess it's a, my age a on book, that one book, Yeah, I know? did, yeah. Calvin in Georgia. How you doing, Calvin? Oh, I'm doing just fine, Brother brother Alex. Um, Thanks for I holding. I have a question. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have a question. It's 
on the surface, it sounds kind of stupid, I guess, but I'm going to ask it anyway. No. Now, we have, I'm going to set it up. We have God the Father, mm-hmm. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the, it's hard for me to ask this question, so I'm going to ask it this way. Is Does God have a separate spirit from the Holy Spirit, or is that? And Jesus have a separate spirit than the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a separate person also. A <laughs> uh, good, good question. And, and Calvin, thanks. That's uh, not a. It's not a stupid question. It's not a not stupid at a all. Good question. Questions about the Trinity. There was a famous book that came out about thirty-two years ago, and I'm not going to reference it, but the um, the writer of this particular Christian book, I suppose, was thinking. And he famously said there are nine members in the Trinity because he assumed Father was a Trinity, Son was a Trinity. And by the way, nine members in the Trinity, that would be contradictory because triunity, T-R-I, means three. So there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Berta, I, I certainly don't completely understand this. I definitely believe it. But no, there's one nature of God. And and I, it's deep, but I would encourage you to, it's probably in, in the front of your hymn book, look for the Creed of Athanasius. And it talks about there's one nature of God and yet three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is how God has revealed himself. And the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. Yet there's in undivided unity and yet there's a threeness. Now, Bert, again, I don't completely understand it. It's, Nobody does. No. And anybody that tries to fully explain it usually misses something. Because yeah. I think it is, as far as humanity is concerned, it's beyond us. But I do believe the baptism of Jesus is one of the greatest times and places that you can look at. Jesus the Son was being baptized the Father in heaven spoke from heaven, and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove upon him. Yes. And that is the Trinity there. And it really, I think, expresses their ministries as they, you know, hard to say they work together. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it is true. There are three. I would say, no, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit. Yes. Jesus didn't have a separate spirit right. to answer that question. Uh, no. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, God bless you. And you know what? We talk about this. Uh, please stay tuned till tomorrow because <laughs> we're going to talk about a certain resource that I think might even help on this. But Calvin, thanks for listening. We're going to go to uh, Arkansas. Kayla. Kayla in Arkansas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I listen to you guys every day. Oh, bless you. Um, thanks for holding. <laughs> yes. My, my question or comment, I, I don't know. Um, last week, a caller called in and questioning uh, the prayer, the anointed prayer cloth that, that uh, another preacher was selling. We all know that, you know, we're not going to profit off of God's blessings. And, and But my question, I guess, um, I went home and researched that and um, was looking for um, some um, answers as far as why churches do that. Um if you cannot transfer God's power. I mean, you're basically... Anyway, the only thing I could come up and find was in Acts 19, 11, and 12. 
and uh, Paul it was using handkerchiefs and aprons and stuff like that to, um, uh, and it was healing the sick and, and casting out um, demonic spirits and whatnot. But um, I was also talking with my brother about it today, and he made a really good point that I hope the caller is, is hearing from last week that he made a really good point. The whole thing about it is, is that is an act of faith and not a practice of our faith. And I thought, that is so good. And so it's, uh, I called my pastor because I wanted, you know, Scripture. If it's not in Scripture, then we don't practice that and we don't believe in that, you know. And um, he said, well, I mean, that's, that's the Scripture right there about Paul, you know. And, and he said, if it helps to increase someone's faith by doing a prayer cloth and sending it to their sick loved one or, or whatever the case, then, then that is still biblical. What are your thoughts? Okay, Kayla, thank you. I want to tell you an experience. Okay. Uh, my wife, Jan, I refer to her quite often. She is so much of who I am and what I do. I can't fully uh, <laughs> complete it. Alex and I both married above ourselves, and mm-hmm. uh, we outpunted our coverage when we married <laughs> our wives. We just did <laughs> there it. We but, go. but Kayla, uh, my wife, was when she was a child, sick, uh, close, it really severe sick. Death is a possibility. Uh, Ken folks of her aunts, great aunts, uh, they they got together. They prayed and they had a handkerchief, and they prayed and they sent that handkerchief. Had to be by snail mail then, mm-hmm. of course, but it came and that prayer, that handkerchief represented the prayers of those people. Yeah. It now in this case, I think your brother made a good point. The practice of it, not the doctrine of it. Yeah, it's a practice yeah. that they did. And notice the term that goes before that: unusual miracles. You know, and uh, so I think it was. It's not the power of the handkerchief, right? It's not the power of the apron. Even then, it was the power of God's people, person, Paul, in healing at that point in time. And I'd still say it's the same thing today. Uh, listen, if that a if that uh, cloth helps people to pray yeah more uh god responds to the people not to the handkerchief wow um well thank you for that great question yes taylor thank you and bert thanks for that answer uh louisiana uh dallas dallas thanks for holding welcome hey thanks guys i'll listen to you guys as much as i can uh i usually get off work at 3 30 and that's when i but today i got off a little bit early and i was able to hear bert um praise the lord someone in this world knows jack hiles like i do hey i'm old enough to know him i've been around a while dallas i really have yeah yeah i've actually 54 yeah i I got a picture uh, with him he he came to north carolina to preach probably like 30 years ago plus and i was a young man and i drove a few hours to hear him preach i got a picture with him but that's been a long time ago dallas well i've been in revivals with him uh i used to go to the people's baptist church in corpus christi texas where lester roloff oh man uh, he was in advance Praise the oh, Lord, yeah. Lester Roloff. Listen, he made so much difference in children's and teenagers' lives that you would not believe it. Dallas, man, you've made my day. Lester Roloff, I 
Uh, he got bad press because this is the cancel culture before it was called the cancel culture. Right. And Lester Olaf yeah. was making such a difference. I had a guy, he is in the church here in Tupelo where I pastored. And when they had a hard case of a young person and they knew that the secular government systems wouldn't work, they had a home. Lester Olaf had a home for teenagers. Yes. And he would get them down there. And, and the man in our church, first night, we called him Doc. Anybody that's that in that church and here know who I'm talking about, Lester Olaf and and God would change their lives, similar to Teen Challenge today. Amen. While the world is trying to change and help these people that are drugs, is taking over alcohol, is, you know, and most of them go back into it. Teen Challenge, Lester Oloff, those ministries, guess what? Theirs was close to 80% uh, work. So but but they, they would be straight up and truthful with them. I'm going to try to squeeze in one more call. Uh, Liam in North Carolina. Welcome to the program. Hey, um, I got a question. Um, like, how was God created? Like, I don't know if anybody knows that. I just want to know, like, if he was created or if he just randomly appeared. Uh, Liam, that's great. That's a great question. Do you know what, and, and this is part of what makes God, God, the only being in the universe of which this can be said, he just is. See, we were born, there was a time when I didn't exist, but I was born, and you were born, Liam, and Bert was born. God never came into existence. God just is. That's why the Bible calls him the great I am. And see, part of what makes him God, he's not temporal, he's eternal. And Bert, we believe it. That's kind of beyond our comprehension. It is. God it is. is eternal, isn't he? He is. Thank you, Liam. Hey, Ann called, and if you're still listening, we got your prayer request, and we're going to be praying for you. Yes. We really are. And Alex, it's man, gonna be, it's good to be in the studio with you, brother. It's going to be a great week. Folks, be in prayer. Tell somebody about exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. But do pray for Sherathon and tune in tomorrow. This is going to be a very exciting week. Six o'clock in the morning. Alex and I'll be here. Now, I don't know how my voice will sound. It sounds bad without even early in the morning, but we'll find out, and I'm looking forward to it. So tune in for Sherathon, hearing testimonies of what God has done in people's lives. That's as good as it gets. We'll see you tomorrow here on Exploring the Word. <music>